0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Inspect. My guests today are a couple of iOS developers. They're both from the UK, they're both named Dave, and they also host their own podcast called Waiting for Review. We have a catch-up about what it's like to be an indie iOS developer, some of the recent updates from this year's WWDC, and we also share some tips and tricks about how we do our podcasting. So without further ado, let me welcome to the show Dave Wood and Dave Knott. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Thank you, thanks for having us yeah, good to have you guys on. um so do you guys want to just individually introduce yourself because obviously you're both named Dave, and that's going to get confusing, <laughs> so just so less listeners can recognize your voices and distinguish who's who and from sure. you sure well. <laughs>
1: well i'm uh, I'm dave not i'm I'm the one from Devon <laughs> and I'm Dave Wood, I'm the one
0: from Leicester. And uh, obviously, if anyone doesn't know, um, depending on when you're listening to this show, whether it's on Inspect or on Waiting for Review, uh, my name's Ajay and I'm from Wokingham, which is just sort of west of London.
1: We're all in the UK.
0: Yeah, we're all in the UK. It's actually nice to just to do a, a show with someone in the UK, um, again, because the last couple of shows I've done have all been with, with people in the States. So time zones have always been an issue and you know, I've had to catch people um, when they're sort of at work, uh, because I can only really record in the evening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just been a lot of juggling with time zones. But yeah, when when everyone's in the same country, it's nice and easy.
2: Yeah, time zones are tough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, how did you two um, meet? You know, what's the what's the background in how you guys
2: hooked up? Because obviously you're you're living kind of 200 miles apart. Well, it, I think it kind of started when I was on holiday in Italy. Um we rented this uh, apartment and I was looking for a way to make coffee. Uh, and I couldn't really find anything and then um I found this metal thing in the cupboard. Um which turned out to be a moka pot but I didn't know what a moka pot was so I went straight to Twitter and posted a picture of it saying what is this and can I make coffee with it? And uh, and Dave replied. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: th- I think I was um I think I was following Dave already um and you know we just kind of vaguely added each other because of having sort of similar iOS development interests in common i think was probably why i followed Dave in the first place mm-hmm. and then coffee is also one of my things uh, when dave posted about that i sort of dived straight in and sort of said hey yeah you yes you can this this is how you do it so what exactly is a is a moka pot is that the
0: is that this kind of um, funnel shaped Metal, metal coffee pots that you get,
2: kind of like a galvanized-looking metal. Screws apart in the middle. Um, you put you put your coffee in the basket that sits in the middle. Heat the water underneath, and then out comes coffee in in the top compartment.
1: Yeah, it comes out sort of pressurized through the inside of it um, as as the pressure builds up, and I guess it's the the forcing of the water as steam through the coffee into the top. So you make it from from the bottom upwards. Water in the bottom, coffee in the middle um and then in the very top of it um sort of through the filter um the actual finished coffee um comes out
0: okay no i've never tried one of those i've just got a standard cafeteria top down
2: well that's what i was looking for in the apartment and i couldn't i was like going through all the cupboards oh there must be one in here somewhere this is italy they love their coffee um then I, i i couldn't figure out what the mocha pot was for i felt a little bit stupid now thinking about it um I remember someone tweeted me saying, are you serious? <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we kept in touch and it just kind of grew naturally from there. We're both, I think we, uh, we both toyed with blogging a little bit, didn't we? We tried to be accountable to one another yeah. in keeping the blog up to date. I know I failed miserably on that front.
1: Yeah, that, that didn't work. <laughs> um, but uh, best of intentions and everything else. Um, I think, um, but the, the blogging, Thing and then kind of wanting to put something out there like that I think that's kind of what progressed into us thinking about and then obviously eventually actually doing the podcast
0: right was the blog about
1: iOS development as well um both of our blogs are are, are kind of development blogs and and mine is is very much um a standard kind of slightly abandoned blog
2: these days my domain uh, my domain name expired yesterday actually so mine's gone now, so yeah
0: yeah, I think that's yeah most people who have good intentions of starting a blog but they soon sort of dwindle away don't they It's quite a lot of effort keeping a blog up to date I find anyway and um I know with the with the podcast as well it, although there is a lot more effort in creating a podcast it feels like you're getting it feels a bit more rewarding like you're getting some sort of feedback even if you're not um. I don't know, it's just the way I feel about it. Because I did start writing a lot more on my blog over the past year or so, but it has kind of faded off as well since I've started the podcast.
1: Yeah, I I think there's something a little bit more immediate about the podcast. Um, And I think having it as something that me and Dave do actively together, you know, weekly conversation um, sort of keeps us turning up um in in a way that perhaps trying to be sort of writing buddies wasn't necessarily going to do
2: yeah i definitely found the blog took up a a lot a lot of effort to to get it to where i wanted it to be whereas i like the way that with a podcast you can kind of it's more conversational it's a lot more informal and you can kind of bounce ideas across each other in real time and and get a good flow going and that's that's what i like about podcasting as a listener and as someone who podcasts yeah
0: yeah well um i've got a few more questions about podcasting which we can get onto a bit later but um for now i mean have you guys actually ever met in person or are you just
2: internet friends no we have met didn't we we met in when was it you came to cornwall
1: late march early april yeah that was it all right just yeah. this
2: year yeah For the
1: yeah so we'd actually um i think we were what about maybe um nine or ten episodes down by that point already Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we'd we'd known each other. I think I I would trace back actually being actively in contact with each other probably back to your holiday. Pinpoint it, Dave. But in in my head, I'm sort of thinking about sort of late May last year. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, we'd known each other to talk to quite a bit for for quite a long while before sort of starting the podcast back in January. Um, and then. We'd actually had the podcast for just under three months um, when we got to meet. Um, so yeah, everything you know has happened online really before we've actually met in real life.
0: Okay, so you guys found each other through your through your love of iOS development, and um, you're both in, indie developers, or are you working for companies at the moment? How, what sort of work are you guys involved in? And that question's to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> This
1: is going to get hard. <laughs> Feel free to refer to me as uh, as Dave W. or something, if if that helps. Um, so I could you
0: would and not? <laughs> but,
1: um, so Dave Wood, um, I, I've, I'm currently um, working as a contractor and um, that's in iOS development. Um, and you could say, Know yeah, quite legitimately that right now I am independent. Um, I've got my own apps in the app store, although they're not making um, a living wage or anything. That it's kind of more of a um, side project sort of level of income, really, from those. Um, but I'm working as a contractor, and I'm, um, you yeah, know, technically free to go and work wherever I I want as long as my um, as long as my day rate is getting paid. Um, but just as um as a frame of reference i guess um i'm uh, i'm actually going to be starting salaried employment and we can perhaps get to that um sort of later on um but i've got a salaried job that i'm going to go to um, in a few months time um, so ind- independent for the moment um that's probably going to be changing um i think i'll always keep the side projects on though and have that sort of aspect of sort of low- level indie even if they don't really amount to very much?
2: So for me, I'm in the process of setting up um, an agency for myself, um, like a, a web consultancy agency. So I'm doing that in addition to my iOS development, also in addition to kind of looking after our nine-month-old son as well because um, we, uh, we decided to do the shared parental leave, which meant that um, Heather my wife did the first six months looking after him and I've taken the second so now I'm in the process of kind of ramping up uh, my efforts to start my own company so I can be making websites for local businesses and well, not not necessarily local businesses, they could be anywhere, um, but I'm sort of targeting locally at the moment. And I've got the iOS apps to sort of go along on the side.
0: Brilliant, yeah, good stuff. Did you get into iOS development back in, uh, like from the beginning when iOS was first released or what sort of point did you get on board
2: for me i what was my first app i made my first app in 2010 so that was when the iphone 4 came out i made a, a flashlight because they were all the rage when the iphone 4 came out and it had a had a camera flash so i, I made one of those um and, and that felt awesome i mean it didn't make a lot of money because um, i remember at the time then
0: didn't didn't the iphone 3 have a flash on it
2: mm, no no i don't think so it's terrible isn't it okay. <laughs> But no, I, I just I, I just I just loved how um, the feeling I got that I could make an app and people could download it and it it was a great feeling of of the playing field being leveled because I was in the same store as like EA and all the other AAA publishers and that that was great and that's kind of what I caught the bug from there really.
0: And what was it? What was the learning curve like? Were you quite new to um, to programming at that stage, or what was your, what was your um, experience?
2: Like? No, I I was very new to Anything development-wise within the Apple ecosystem, um, I I had a I'd only had a MacBook, one of the sort of white polycarbonate MacBooks for a, a year or so. By that point, maybe a couple of years, um, but I was studying computing um, at that time, so I was learning languages like Java. So things. Uh, sort of a lot of, the, a lot of the theory that I could pick up through Java, I could apply to iOS, so that, that helped a great deal. Um, Objective-C looked a little bit weird, though, when I first looked at it for the first time. I was like, whoa, what's going on here, all these square brackets everywhere? That was that was weird.
0: So w- would you say that if you wanted to become an iOS developer, it's, it's worth having um, previous knowledge of a different back-end language, something like Java?
2: Um, I think it certainly helped, but I wouldn't say you have to have it. I think now there, there are so many so many resources available, um, I mean even Apple have uh, supplied the ebook of you know the programming language of Swift so you you could just pick that up now and and start reading and 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 get on the way to becoming an iOS developer the, it, when i when I first started, I remember the amount of resources being quite limited um, just in terms of the tutorial sites and what you could find um, now. Yeah, you you can Google for any type of app followed by the word tutorial, and there'll be a tutorial to show you how to make Angry Birds or whatever, or you know, tons of different things. Um, so, so now I think is a is a great time. This the resources are incredible, and you should take advantage of them if you're at all interested.
0: Yeah, I mean, I did I did give it a little go um, last year. Uh, I when. Before Swift came around, uh, I did have a look at Objective C, and it was just it just went straight over my head. Um, I just I didn't. This was quite a few years ago, maybe about four or five years ago, and I didn't have uh, enough of a programming background at that point to to wrap my head around it. Um, but now I've tried Swift, and because it's a little bit more a bit more like JavaScript, um, I found it easier to understand. And I have built one. I built one app. I never actually pushed pushed it to the store. Um, it's basically a card game uh, higher or higher or lower sort of thing mm-hmm. um, well highest card wins sort of thing uh, and that yeah that was just following a tutorial as well um it was a by a guy called Chris something um his website I think is code with Chris and um yeah it was quite an easy one it took probably about two hours to put the whole thing together um yeah, so it was good uh, I just never have pursued it, actually
2: so you you're a front-end developer sort of as a as the day job is that right
0: yeah that's right yeah so i work in front end um yeah on the sort of user interface side of things so building interfaces html javascript
2: so really with with that kind of level of understanding of you know ui and and how people use interfaces if you could couple that with uh you know some some good knowledge on on swift you could have a really good combination there of of, of a skill set to do some incredible work really
0: yeah well I think you guys can ex- inspire me after this once I've found out how easy it is and what your journey was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so have you both got uh, apps in the app store at the moment
2: yeah yeah um I've got two main apps and a few zombie apps that I need to clear out but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i've I've got um I've got two main apps and then I've got an iMessage app um in the store as well um, although um, I've not really found the, found the iMessage side of things that successful, to be fair. What, what are your apps? Um, so I've got a, a video mixing app, um, which was my first app. I, I put that into the store back in uh, 2015. Um, it's nearly two years old. Um, that lets people mix video in real time, um, sort of like an A-B mixer. Um, very similar to sort of DJing, but with video. Um, you can apply effects on each video that's playing and things like that as well. Um, and, um, my second app lets people create, um, kind of like holograms with their, with their phone or with their iPad. Um, so people make these, um, four sided projector type things that you put on top of the, um, the phone, um, sort of clipped out of clear plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then four-sided videos or photographs, um, you know, usually with just the same thing on each each sort of edge, um, and then displayed underneath and reflect up onto these projectors. Um, so I've got an app that lets you put any video or any photo, and um, it puts it onto four sides, and it kind of lets you drop the background um, of the video or the photo based on how dark or bright it is. So then, when it, when it's reflected up, it sort of looks like it's floating, like a hologram. Well, wow. sounds good. Um, so definitely a video bent with with uh, with what <laughs> I do there. <laughs> yeah, have you have you got a background in video? Um, sort of way way back when, um, sort of going back to two thousand and four, um, pre wife and kids. Um, I used to mix video in nightclubs um, with a few friends. It was. Again, it was a bit of a side gig. It certainly wasn't sort of bringing in any particular sort of um, income, um, but it was something I did a lot of back then. Really enjoyed, um, and I think that sort of love of working with real time video has kind of passed through into what I do now with development.
0: Um, so, out of the apps that you guys have got in the in the stores, which which would you say you're the most proud of? Which is your, you know, your,
2: your your pride and joy? Hmm. For me. I mean, my two main apps, um, my first one is an app called armchair. It's a remote control for Cody. Uh, my second app uh, called space readers is an app to help, uh, help kids learn to read. So I, it's a tough call. as to which one I'd be most proud of, um, they're very different as well. They are very different. And space readers kind of makes me feel good because potentially I'm helping a child improve at their reading. So kind of, you know, the human element there is kind of that's a really nice feeling on the other hand armchair was my kind of my first big app and it was it kind of started as a like a labor of love um so i think i'll always hold that one nearest and dearest yeah i think um and i get a lot of feedback from users saying that they really enjoy it for its its simplicity and its cleanliness compared to the competition and that is the exact reason why i made it because I was kind of dissatisfied with the competition in that sense. So to have feedback like that validates the whole journey I've been on. So I think I'd I'd say Armchair if I had to, if I had to pick one. Yeah, okay.
0: Have you guys got any um, apps in the works, any plans to release anything else this year maybe?
2: Um, I'm doing a, a big release of Armchair, hopefully that's going to come out this year. <laughs> it's kind of like a version 3.0. So I'm going to have, sort of bring it up to date with iOS 11 and... A few other cool features.
1: I've, um, I've kind of put a lot of my things on hold for the moment. Um, uh, essentially life's really quite busy right now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be getting any major updates now before sort of the back end of the year, really, um, to my existing apps. I have a, a kind of, um, a plan to do a more pro version of the video mixing app, um, for the, for the iPad. Um, and I would really like to sort of carve the time out for that and, and, and be getting on with it. Um, but unfortunately, it's going to have to wait for a little while.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, good stuff. So you mentioned, you know, you, you're you updating for iOS 11. Obviously, iOS 11 was just announced last week at um, WWDC. And uh, you guys did, uh, your last show was was basically a summary of everything that was announced at that show. Um, but I thought, yeah, we could just have a, a quick, you know, round table of thoughts of um what was announced um we don't need to go into too much depth because there are other shows out there that that really get into the nitty-gritty of everything that was announced um have you guys ever been to WWDC before um and what are your thoughts about it
2: no i've i've never been uh, it's always it's always been a a, a next year for me thing every, every year for the last probably four years i've been saying yeah next year i'll get there next year uh, <laughs> but have you ever applied to for a ticket
0: because
1: it's
2: basically it's like a lottery isn't it no no i've, I've never never applied
1: no, me either um it's always been sort of far too much money to really justify for um a side gig level of interest yeah um which is where i was sort of up until about this last year really um and then again with with for, for this year it just wasn't going to be financially doable um because it's it's a lot of money to get out there really um, yeah, because
0: the ticket itself is around, well, or fifteen hundred dollars, I think, or something like that. And then that's so you got to yeah. uh, make your own way there. And then there's the accommodation, and then all the obviously other expenses that you'll have there. So you're probably looking at around about three grand, I would say,
1: at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a lot of money. It's it's, it's quite a chunk, um, and I, I don't think I would necessarily uh, be able to sort of get that through at home in terms of. <laughs> 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 Bye, hun. You. You look after the kids for a, for a week while I go and have fun in San Francisco, yeah, um, or San Jose as it was this year. Yeah. Um,
0: it's not going to work, is it?
1: But um, I'd love to go. I really would.
0: Yeah, do you know, even I'd love to go. Is I'm not, I'm not even an iOS to but just to sort of be at in that auditorium when everything's announced and just get to see, you know, just just feel the vibe of it. Um, yeah, it's something I'd love to do. Yeah, what what do you guys think of the announcements this year? You want to go through? There were six main announcements. Should we just quickly go through all of them?
1: There was there was five main announcements. I'd argue um, because (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: All
2: right. Number one was just a little bit of a yeah, just a spot for Amazon, right? The first one. Yep.
0: (laughs) Yep. Amazon's coming to the Apple TV. Do you know what? I don't actually have an Apple TV in the house, uh, but I use Amazon a lot, and. One of the things that's always put me off buying an Apple TV is just because Amazon's not available on there. And Amazon Prime is the, the main subscription service that I use for, for TV. Um, so the fact that it's coming now is uh, it's actually you know, making me look that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've always kind of muddled through with air playing to the Apple TV from an iPad or, or, or an iPhone, but it, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit of a, a mucky solution.
1: It is. it's really quite clunky um, my uh, we watch things with a lot of subtitles um, and quite often the airplane doesn't really translate with the subtitles that they, they just don't make it onto the um, external display um, yeah and
0: you shouldn't have to introduce a third device you know you've already got your Apple TV and your actual television as well yeah uh, that should be enough to to get the job done yeah um, but yeah, I've, I don't like the the, the thought of having a, a dedicated iPad just to sort of stream the or or an iPhone just to push the content to the TV either. No, um, that's kind of why I shied away from a Chromecast as well. I, I recently just bought a Fire Stick, Amazon Fire Stick, which is actually really good. Um, I'm really impressed with it, and um, that's got it's got all the main apps that you need on there. It's got Netflix, it's got iPlayer, it's got uh, obviously Prime, Spotify, things like that. And it connects to my NAS drive as well. So
1: I think you can put things like VLC on it as well, can't you?
0: Yeah, it's got VLC. Um, it's basically an Android machine, isn't it? So it, there's a load of Android apps available for it. Um, there's a lot of really weird ones as well, uh, which I don't see why people would have them installed on TVs. It just doesn't make sense. But yeah, the, the big players are all on there. That's the main thing.
1: Uh, but yeah, it's really good. I, but, um, the Apple TVs uh, going to be a little bit more... Um, of a welcoming environment for you uh, with this Amazon change then?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are an Apple household in terms of the phones that we've got and the, the computers that we use. Um, but yeah, we just haven't committed to the TV at the moment. That's probably going to be something for this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, you might you might get a, a new Apple TV later this year with maybe 4K.
0: Yeah, possibly, possibly.
2: I mean, for me, it'd be pointless. I've only got a 1080p uh, plasma screen, so... Yeah, the the four K really doesn't mean a lot to me right now, but I. Well, that that's the, a reason
0: to get a new TV, then, isn't it? If <laughs> <laughs> you buy this first, and then you then you just discuss with your wife that oh, you know what, it just doesn't look great. We need to get a bit of TV.
2: I like your thinking, AJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, number two was the updates to the Watch OS. Are you guys
1: uh, Apple Watch users? Yeah, I am. I th- you are as well, aren't you, Dave?
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought I OS four looked if you're into fitness there's some nice updates there um the siri watch face i thought looked really cool it's just a shame that they couldn't manage to get it into a complication so that that functionality could be used on you know the different watch faces that that would have been a nice touch
0: yeah it would, it would seem like that should be the default across the whole of the watch you shouldn't need a specific watch face just just for siri features it's almost like siri should just be in the background of the watch always listening at it. yeah you're just ready for yeah. your command
2: you know i i use the uh, the modular face quite a lot mm-hmm. so you've got that kind of that big complication in the middle of the screen um that could potentially be really nice for some kind of siri complication but well maybe not this year <laughs> yeah um but otherwise i don't really have a huge amount to say on watch os i I've,
0: yeah, I thought that was a Sorry. fairly small announcement as well. Really, there was there was the Siri face, there was the uh, the Toy Story face, which is, oh. yeah, it
1: was it was it seemed pretty incremental, really. I think um, yeah, outside of the health stuff,
0: mm. and even the health stuff, yeah, the 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 most exciting thing in the health stuff, I suppose, was how it would sync with gym equipment. But you know, having that's going to be gym equipment coming out this year, so the fact that you know the gyms that we're probably members of are not going to see that sort of thing for a couple of years at least yeah um, so it's it's a nice announcement but it's it's very far ahead in the future the way i see it yeah yeah and the, the whole kaleidoscope face was i do know it just feels
1: a little bit trippy and feels like it could be quite <laughs> distracting yeah not particularly majorly useful um i'll have a play with it though when when it's uh out of beta
0: yeah it's one of those have a play in but i don't think it's a, a se- i don't think it was a selling selling point. It's nice to have an update to your existing watch, but I don't think it will necessarily attract more people to go and buy an Apple watch because because of these sort of new um OS four features that have been announced.
2: No, I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. Then number
0: three was obviously the big one. Uh which everyone I suppose everyone was waiting for was the Macs. Um so the MacBooks all got a bit of a speed bump. Um new version of Mac OS. Sierra, I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not so
1: sure about the naming.
0: Yeah, it was it was weird yeah. because it started off as a bit of a joke, and he was he was even giggling on stage, and then he had this little wisecrack about how it's fully baked, and you're just waiting yeah. for him to say, "Oh no, we're just joking about that." You know the way that they, when uh, after I think it was after lion or was after mountain lion, then they were saying that they're going to name the next one sea lion, and then yeah, yeah, dismissed that off stage.
1: But I just couldn't believe that they actually stuck with that name. It was it it felt like a dad joke that had gone on just slightly too long. Um, yeah. Sort of watching it on the on the night. <laughs> Someone quite se- senior in Apple
0: decided that they wanted to call it that, and no one could say anything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's it is. Um, it's an incremental change, isn't it? It's uh, in the same way. You had no leopard and Mountain lion. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the name aside, I'm really quite happy with with this release. Um, I think it kind of speaks volumes about the discipline within Apple in that you can, there must be enormous pressure on all of the software teams, regardless of whether it's iOS, macOS, whatever. There must be huge pressures to, to keep shipping features no matter what. And and to just say, no, we're not going to do that and we're just going to work on refinements is, is quite telling, I think. So yeah, hats off.
0: Yeah. yeah, they do need that every now and then as well there doesn't necessarily need to be new features every single year, even though there were a ton of new features in this one.
2: Yeah, I think APFS is going to be fairly fairly key to it this year. Um, yeah. Safari got quite a bit of attention in terms of, uh, what was it, the tracking or the anti-tracking they're going to try and do?
0: Yeah. So they're stopping um, to see um, like how... tracking cookies between websites and things like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, interesting to see how quickly the internet gets around that.
0: Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, I went to this event recently and it was about ad blocking and um, I know it's a slightly different topic, but what 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 was being said at the event, what the speaker was talking about was how uh, obviously people are using ad blockers to, to get rid of these annoying ads. But then the people who are serving the ads are um, blocking their content if you've got an ad blocker on, right? Um, so like if you go to, say, the New York Times or something, they'll say, oh, we noticed you're using an ad blocker when you need to turn it off before you can carry on. But then, you know, people have found a way around that as well. And now you can get blockers which unblock these these blockers. And you're know, they're constantly <laughs> sort of fighting against each other. So if Apple are now going to be blocking tracking cookies between websites, uh, I'm sure there will be someone who figures out a way to break through that security as well. But hopefully they've done something quite robust. And it'd be good if you can turn it on and off as well at, at your own discretion. Because sometimes it's quite handy to have... Um, Like if you're viewing a product and you're not quite sure and then you just get a little reminder about it later on. Uh, There have been occasions where that's reminded me that I was looking at something and that I did want to go and actually purchase it or there was a reason why I put it off at that point and then I have gone back and purchased as well later on.
2: It's when you purchase it, that's when when you want them to go, isn't it?
0: Yeah, after that, yeah. Don't bother me anymore.
1: Yeah, I've got um, a oven glove at the moment that we purchased the other week that keeps haunting me. (laughs) <laughs> um, so every 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 other day i keep getting adverts pop up for this oven glove and i'm like i, I bought it already come on yeah
0: so you <laughs> that's the issue isn't it yeah so safari got a lot of love um they're also stopping like autoplaying videos which is quite handy i think chrome already do that though don't they
2: oh i don't know that's a good question
0: I, I can't remember the last time i saw an autoplaying video anywhere that's not muted at least
2: that's got me thinking now that yeah, maybe the websites are yeah. just themselves
0: being a bit more um, user friendly.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then the big
0: Mac announcement was uh, the iMac Pro, which is <laughs> which is beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Any any guesses of how much it's going to cost to get the top spec? I know they said that it's starting around five grand.
2: I reckon about thirteen, possibly more, thirteen, fourteen. I think if you go for the eighteen core, max out the RAM, max out the SSD. I don't know where they can go with the Mac Pro though that they're making as well after this. I mean, clearly this was the thought that when they, at some stage, maybe not too long ago, I think it was quite clear that Apple were not going to remake the Mac Pro. I think this was going to be what, yeah, the replacement for the Mac Pro. But obviously mm. they've, they've switched gears, and we're still getting this iMac, which is which is great. Um, but it, it does make me wonder what what on earth can they do with the Mac Pro to to top it, I'm sure I suppose they won't have such a, a tight thermal envelope compared to, you know, the iMac is, after all, a relatively small uh, a device compared to what you could get out of a tower in terms of the cooling you could put through it. So I suppose yeah. you could push push a Mac Pro sort of harder for longer, maybe.
0: Um, well, that's assuming they go for a, a slightly larger tower-style design. You know, they, could, they, they said they're reinventing it, so
2: yeah that's true maybe i'm thinking I'm thinking too much in the box maybe maybe your dream's gonna come true Dave
1: <laughs> what the uh the mac pro cube yeah <laughs>
0: well, yeah it'd be interesting to see what they do with it Because, um, you know apple have always been the type of company who wanna make things smaller and lighter thinner, but it comes at a cost right so if they wanna make a pro machine it's gonna it's going to have to be slightly bigger um Slightly heavier, slightly larger, just an all-rounder, I, I think. but
2: I think with the with the pros, they need to kind of let go of that a little bit. Yeah. They need yeah. to be, take a more pragmatic approach.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not a machine that needs to sit on your desk. It needs to sit no, under, definitely under your desk uh, with lots of wires coming out of it, uh, with lots of room to breathe.
2: It's, it's almost like if you go to a like a DIY store that's aimed at consumers, it's all very nice and laid out nicely. Whereas if you go to a builder's yard aimed at the trade industry, things are a bit more rough and ready and designed just to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And I'd maybe compare Apple to like that in that sense, in that a lot of the Mac, you know, the MacBooks and the iMacs are all very consumer friendly. So they're designed to be you know, thin and light and power efficient and all the rest of it. Whereas what we actually, the, the audience that is is going to want the Mac Pro Maybe all that kind of stuff is right at the bottom of their list of priorities. So, what they need is something powerful, rugged, versatile, yeah, that will get the job done.
0: Yeah, almost like the old Power Mac g 5 just that sort of case that sort of maybe not that sort of size, but you know, that sort of shape and um idea of this of a tower which uh which you can open up and and uh, expand as you need to. Um, but yeah, if they can make it a around about half the size of that that would be perfect i think
2: do you see that demo that went around on twitter
0: Um, with the mock-up of the one that sort of swings sideways
2: Yeah, sort of pivots in the middle
0: yeah yeah was, that was nice yeah something like that would be amazing but um maybe a little bit overkill with the screen on the front and stuff like that because again yeah, maybe. you know how often you touch the front of your computer um so that's probably not a necessary thing but yeah the you know the shape and size and the way it opens uh was a really cool concept yeah. yeah i liked it um but the imac pro yeah like i said it looks amazing um you know the fact that it's in black and it's got black accessories um it's just it's going to be one of those things that everyone's going to be drooling over um but <laughs> comes at a <of> cost right <laughs> just like everything doesn't adjust. yeah the so number four on the list was the ipads um not a massive announcement um Ooh. <laughs> well it actually no not that's that's not right it was a big announcement but uh it was an it was more of more of a software announcement, I would, say,
1: would you say. I think so, yeah. I think that's probably quite fair, is that the um the update to iOS for iOS eleven for the for the iPad is gonna be the, the sort of game changer for the iPad, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. In terms of just the iPad on its own, I mean, uh, obviously the usual spec bumps, um and the slightly increased size in the same same ish form factor, is it exactly the same same size as the, the
1: um the smaller one of the two is now a 10.5 inch it's it's grown from being what 9.7
0: but that's the screen right 10.5 inch screen but is that yeah is the overall body the same size as the 9.7 inch was
2: it's a touch bigger i think isn't it that's bigger just a
0: little bit but they've kept the weight the same yeah have you guys looked into sort of all the features of the new ipads then
1: yeah um I think it's it's probably a bit unfair to say that it's only a bit of a, a bump um, because the the screen um, looks pretty impressive on the new iPad Pro's. Um, so it's what, it's 120, um, 120 hertz refresh rate. Uh-huh. Um, and um, it, can, it can scale sort of up and down from different refresh rates depending on what's been played back. And I can't make an impassioned argument as to how that makes it any better. Because um, I've not really had a ch- chance to play, but... Yeah, it'll probably help with battery life, right? Cause, um... I assume so, yeah. I think it would be benefits like that. Um, and obviously it'll be absolutely brilliant for scrolling through stuff really quick and just having that responsiveness and that side of things. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be really quite cool. Um, I've had a play with one, but I... I didn't necessarily put it through its paces to really see all those those sort of differences. The one I played with in the Apple Store um, yesterday, it kind of felt a bit weird playing on it with um, without it having iOS 11 on there already. So you know, it's got iOS 10 on it, and it looked great, but it also felt limited already because I now know what I want the iPad to do, um, and I've, I've got the beta on my on my iPad Mini. Um, and I've been enjoying it on there as well. So, yeah, it was a bit weird sort of playing with the new iPads um, and then sort of still being on on the older version of iOS. Um, What's it like
0: doing the drag and drop? Is
1: it possible to use it with one hand, or do you really need to have two hands on there? Um, I, th- I think on the bigger iPads, you kind of end up naturally having two hands on the go in a lot of ways, you know, one hand to hold, the other hand to move around. Um, but I think... It's, it's quite natural, just with the one hand.
0: Yeah, so on the bigger one it would be a case where you'd need to put the iPad down on a table or on, on a stand of some sort.
1: No, I think you just cradle it in one way or another and, you know, hold it with the one hand and use the other hand to move things around.
0: Okay, because I, th- I thought that because it you need to um, use multi, multi-touch to sort of pick items up and then move them around and maybe move apps in the background while you're holding... Holding uh, the items that you want to drag, like you're sort of. I thought you'd need to have multiple touch points on there, so that's why you would need to use two hands on the screen,
1: right? Yeah, so for those things, yeah, that that's going to feel a bit clunky, and you are going to kind of want to put it down or or have it propped up in some sort of fashion, I guess. Yeah, so I
2: guess when they demoed it all, they were on a flat table, weren't they, with the iPad, yeah, yeah face were, down, yeah. well, not face down, but yeah,
0: all right, cool, and um. So, the last thing on on the list was uh, the new one, the, the Siri speaker, which uh, they've decided to call HomePod, which, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's, uh, you got AirPods and now you've got HomePod. Um, any thoughts on those? What, what do you think of it? Uh, first, well, it's obviously been created as a competitor to things like the Google Home, the Amazon Echo, and they also said against Sonos as well. So... Do you have any of those devices, and what are your thoughts on those compared to what was announced by Apple?
2: Uh, yeah, so I've got um, an Echo. I've got uh, an Echo Dot, and I think it's... I found the HomePod really quite appealing because um, I really like the idea of having a small, attractive, good-sounding sound system. Um, and my my setup with the, the Dot, I think it's probably fair to say it is less than elegant, I've kind of got it hooked up to an old amplifier which is hooked up to an old pair of speakers which is kind of rigged up on the sort of in the kitchen so it's, it's not it takes up quite a lot of room as well on our counter surface so it's not it's not great for a lot of reasons yeah um, so the idea of having a HomePod would be great because it would you know in theory pack just as good a sound quality as my sort of amp and speaker combo which up an awful lot of room i should add again um and it will deliver the goods through apple music so that'd be that'd be good for me um and what i think about what i use my echo for is basically 97 percent music so yeah. i saw i saw a bit of confusion about why apple um went for music as the big kind of drive behind this device rather than coming at it as a smart Siri, control your home kind of device. They really went with the music angle, didn't they? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that makes total sense, given how, you know, if my experience with the Echo is anything to go by, I think they're totally, totally right to to do that. I think music's going to be the, the key to it. And it certainly would be for me.
0: Yeah, I've got a I've got an Echo as well. I've got, I've got the main, um, I've got the big Echo in the lounge downstairs. And then I've got a dot in the bedroom. And um, it's the same for me, actually. Although I do use some of the smart home stuff, I use it to control some lights and um, our heating. Um, and I use it for things like news briefings and checking the weather and um, setting timers and things like that. But again, the main thing is to play music. Um, so I've got mine playing from Spotify. And um, it, yeah, so I understand why Apple have gone down that route of uh, combat, you know, taking on the music industry first um and i think you know just siri just on its own is it's not the greatest uh assistant at the moment anyway so to push to push siri as the main feature they would have to really improve siri first <laughs> yeah right yeah and um they've got they've got apple na- uh they've got music nailed already so why not make that the, the selling point
2: it's a, it's a great companion product to apple music as well isn't it so they, they stand to gain a lot there um and it it might you know if I were to get one I would I would re- re-enact, re-enact, re-enable my Apple Music subscription cuz so I cancelled it due to getting the dots because I've just been using the Amazon Prime Music. Yeah, it so, definitely so I thought it. I'd save myself save myself the money on the Apple Music and just make do with that and it, it's starting to get a little bit samey at the moment, I've got to be honest. The the library isn't that big on it.
0: Yeah, I've got mine through Spotify, which is which is probably a big a much bigger library than uh, Amazon. Probably even bigger than Apple, I would
2: say. Um, Probably, yeah, probably. I think I've got, as it stands, by using what comes of our Prime subscription, I think we got get about a million tracks. And then it says if you want to upgrade to tens of millions, you need to pay us, I think it's about £4 a month per dot. Um, But it kind of works at the moment where I'll just say, uh, you know, dingus, play some music. And then it will say, here's a station you might like. Um, It's either... It's always the same handful of things that it recommends me, like Fleetwood Mac or Queen or The Eagles. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this again, uh, that's fine.
0: So a million songs is not enough for you?
2: <laughs> I think discoverability is a problem. Um, I find the iOS app is that comes with it is just dreadful. It's, it's I find it a real pain to use. You
0: probably need to just um, put in a bit of time to create your own playlist on Apple Music first, and then maybe next time you say, play me some, I don't know some R&B music. I think you're right. I think you're in, right. right your Playlist yeah. has a preference over their own generated playlists.
2: Yeah, I need, I need to put in put in some time to invest in that and yeah, I might I might see some dividends.
0: Yeah, I don't know whether um, Amazon's music has the concept of liking and favouriting but I guess if you if you start telling Amazon what sort of music you like it will eventually start playing you more and more of the, the stuff that you like rather than just what it thinks you might like
2: yeah i haven't actually found that feature and it hasn't sort of proactively presented it to me in the same way that apple music did when you first sign up to it it's like tell us about all what you like and you know press this if you like a certain song we'll play more like it i certainly haven't had that level of experience from from it so far
0: yeah because to be an ai it needs to it needs to have some sort of intelligence about what you like before it can actually serve you properly so um
2: i mean right now i'm just listening to podcasts so much um, i've got more than i can actually listen to with the time i have so yeah um you know just when i'm you know pottering around in the kitchen just getting the uh dot just to play some random music even if it is the same few playlists that it always seems to choose from that that's kind of fine for me for right now
0: yeah so you definitely get a you would get home pod um even at that price point that was announced of around
2: 350
0: dollars or pounds
2: yeah it's going to be 350 pounds isn't it i think by the time it gets to us pretty much yeah um yeah i mean it, it would be really nice um we are kind of toying with the idea of maybe giving the kitchen a little bit of a facelift so maybe, uh, maybe a kind of budget for a home pod within that as well maybe cut down on some of the some of the other things in the kitchen for a home pod <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and um uh, how about you dave what, what do you think of it overall what, what about the design of it
1: I really quite love the design, to be honest, Um, and it sort of feels to me, um, we were saying this the other week, um, that it sort of felt a bit like a return to Apple's kind of old um, design ethics in some ways, Um, just in terms of its it's material, isn't it, as well as metal. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of looks and and, and feels um, a little bit different to some of their other products right now. And I quite like that um would I want to get one at that price point um probably not right now um to be honest with you um I think I'm actually quite quite different in terms of um my approach to listening to music at the moment I'm, I'm not really sort of into the whole idea of of using one of these um kind of voice activated speakers um so, yeah, probably not for me at the moment. You should
0: invest in a Echo Dot and you know, it's a it's quite a, a low price point to to find out what you know, what sort of experience it is. Uh, yeah. Because once you do start just asking your asking your house to play some music for you, it does feel very natural. Um and you soon do get quite used to just not having to reach for your phone just to play some music. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's very compelling. I'll say that much for it. It's very, very compelling.
0: Yeah, I do like it. I do like it. So, one of the questions I've had on my on my notes uh, is: if you guys could run Apple for a for a day and decide what they do next, um, what sort of product would you would you push for next? Have you given it any thought?
2: I didn't come up with a product as such. Um, I came up with a couple of features I'd like to see. Okay. Um, one of which being uh, some decent App Store trials. I think that would be good. Um, mm. Because when I look at my dock on my Mac right now, I see quite a few apps that I spent quite a bit of money on, and all of them, uh, with the exception of maybe one, came from a 30-day trial. Right you know, you go to anything on, online, any kind of subscription, you know, like you hear another podcast ads, don't you, you know, go to soandso.com forward slash and then get a 30 day trial. Yeah. That just makes so much sense to me if that could happen on the app store. I've especially, some especially f-
0: that that was going to be introduced.
2: I did see on one of the word cloud, uh, slides in WWDC uh, extended tr- free trials or something. I haven't, I've been trying to dig into what that actually is. I
1: saw that that was referring to subscriptions. That's what I thought it meant. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It, w- so it would be great. That is if you where it ends. Sort
1: of try before you buy, sort of thing.
0: Because I, I don't know if Android still do it, but I know they used to, um, where you used to have like twenty four hours to return an app, basically, and get refund if you didn't like it. Yeah, I don't know. If, do they still do that, Android? Any ideas? I couldn't tell you. No, they used to. This is like the last time I had an Android. I think there was on version two or three, um, so it was quite a while ago. And uh, yeah, you could if if it was a paid for app, you could you could download it, you and you would get charged um, like twenty four hours later. So you had that twenty four hour window to um, basically delete the app and say so you don't want to be charged and not and then not have the option to download it again.
2: I think it's a good way to encourage people to spend sort of proper money on proper apps. Yeah. Um, and then that encourages developers to make really good, full-featured apps for iOS. And I think that has to be that has to be a good thing. I mean, imagine if you were to go on the App Store and you saw an app for, you yeah, know, that was a, a high-quality app for whatever it may be, let's say it's £15. Pounds. That, that's quite a lot to spend on an app. And I'm not sure I could spend £15 pounds on an app just on the basis of reading the app description page. No. Yeah, exactly. But then if it had a like a try button next to it, and I knew that that try button meant that I could have it on my iPad or iPhone for 15 days, 30 days, whatever they decide to do, probably by the time I've been using that app for long enough and it's become a part of my workflow, it's probably going to cost me more than the app's worth to kind of restructure my workflow to accommodate something new. So by that point, I'm probably going to, especially if I like the app, go ahead and buy it. I think it has to be a net win for the ecosystem as a whole if they did introduce that. I can't really see many bad reasons. I I think so.
1: I'd I'd back Dave very strongly on that, Um, obviously sort of coming from my point of view as a developer as well. um, I think kind of calling back to the iPad stuff again, actually, is that if the iPad is going to become even more viable now with the new changes that are coming with iOS 11, then I think things like... Um, sort of trial periods and that sort of thing are going to be absolutely essential to sort of get the um, the quality of app that you're going to want to have if you're using an iPad as your main computer. Um, you know, I mean, that that is going to... There's, there's going to be an overhead to producing good quality iPad software um, because you could, at the moment, you know, just make an iPhone app and kind of make it work on a bigger screen for for the iPad and that's it done. Um, But if you're really going to take advantage of all the new stuff, the drag and drop and the fact that apps can kind of scale almost to any size now, you've got to kind of think about the idea that you might not have the screen space that you thought you had even on the iPad as well. Um, If those apps are going to be created and do well and exist for the iPads, then as developers, we are going to need things like the ability to be able to offer trial periods to kind of get people in through the front door. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be interesting because I think that's going to naturally push iPad software sort of closer to the old desktop models at times. Um, And I'm not sure that we have all the tools we need yet as developers to really be able to sort of do that sort of pricing. Um, Because not everything should be freemium with a subscription. You know, I'm not sure that works for every single class of app. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, having a lack of a good trial period then kind of cuts out the other sort of app where you would actually potentially naturally pay, um, you know, quite a bit after that trial period to sort of keep it on. Um, so, yeah, um, I'd, I'd like Dave to run Apple for a day and um, make that change <laughs>
2: happy to oblige <laughs> there
0: you go that's the next job so the current job is uh, is podcasting um, so we, we touched on it a little bit earlier um, but yeah if we could just I thought we could have a bit, bit more of a chat about how you guys uh, got started and what your process is and um, you know we're both in the same, same position at the moment both fairly new to podcasting you guys started in January I, I think it was Yep, that's right. Yeah, so you guys have just had your 20th episode uh, last week. Um, last week I had my 10th episode, so...
2: Double digits. <laughs> Yay!
0: That's it, finally made it to double digits, yeah. So did, were you guys expecting to uh, to make it to 20 uh, when, you, when you started? Did you have a goal in mind of how long you want to be doing this or was it just, just carry on going for as long as possible?
2: I think so. For me, yeah. I mean, I I hope we'd get to twenty. I hope we'd get to fifty and to a hundred and and on and on. Um, I for me, I've, I've been listening to podcasts now probably since September twenty fourteen. I wasn't I, when I first started. I wasn't really sure what they were. I kept seeing um Marco Arment dropping links to ATP all over Twitter, so I ended up just clicking one to see what it was. Um. And as soon as I started listening, I knew that at some level, someday I'd like to contribute to podcasting in some way. Um, and I like I like the fact that I can sort of jump on a mic once a week and have a chat to Dave about what's been going on and soundboard a few ideas and hopefully provide some value to people listening. Um, that's great. Long Long may it continue.
0: Yeah, so ATP was the first introduction to it, was
2: it? Yeah, yeah, I just stumbled across an episode um probably just before the iPhone 6 was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah, that that show kind of introduced me to podcasting as a whole. I I didn't really know what it was. I I'd, I'd heard it mentioned. I think the BBC do a few podcasts and I'd heard them plugging them um on like Radio 2 and Radio 1 things like that. But I wasn't really sure what they were. Um, and yeah when when i when i when i heard a t p for the first time I was like oh yeah this is this is really cool
0: yeah i was i my first introduction to podcasts like mm, regularly was um was one called developer tea by Jonathan control um again just found it via one of his tweets that he had shared um I had listened to some podcasts before uh a few years ago but there was nothing that I'd actually ever subscribed to it was just uh, yeah I'd, I'd heard the odd show here and there um mainly music podcasts rather than actual spoken word ones um so like m- mixes from various DJs and things like that
1: I was gonna say that that was kind of how I came into podcasts sort of way back about well, way back when as well via the music group um, dance mixes that's yeah that sort of thing um which you don't get so much of now do you that, that's not really a thing in the same way no there's not as many yeah I think I, I got into things
0: like the things like Pete Tong and uh, yeah. some of the other Radio 1 DJs used to have like their you know a roundup of the best best of the month or something like that whatever you know the current playlist was yeah and i used to i used to not subscribe but i used to download some of those onto my phone and use them for my commute um, yeah but yeah when it came to actual sort of spoken word podcasting and especially tech podcasts, which is mainly what I listen to now. It was, um, yeah, it was Developer Tea was the first one that I subscribed to. And then from there, I got introduced to a few of the other ones that I listen to now, like some of the other shows on the Spec Network, um, ATP, um, and a few like comedy ones, which I listen to as well. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I got into it about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago as yeah. well. And um, yeah, like yourselves, it was something that I always felt like, I'd love to give it a try. Um, I've never, I was never really a natural speaker in front, you know, public speaking in front of a crowd. So it was, it was one of those things I wanted to sort of challenge myself into doing. And um, yeah, I started mid uh, mid mid-mar- March, so I'm on. Yeah, this is going to be episode eleven. Um, so yes, yeah, so far, so far, so good. Awesome. Um, yeah, but well, what's your sort of process like? How, how did you? How did you sort of get set up, and did you do a lot of research into how to set the podcast up or how to record, and what was your experience like?
2: I spent quite a while researching mics, um, and then I think at the last minute when we were going to record the morning, we we decided we were going to record. I think we both panicked and just bought audio hijack, yeah, <laughs> just to record <laughs> record audio on each end. Um, so much like we're doing for this show, we'll record our own audio tracks and I'll send mine over to Dave and uh, you'll put together an edit and then yeah. we'll pretty much get a show out of
1: it. So I um, I take both of our feeds, um, we record them as, as high-quality AIFF files. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's lossless, isn't it? Um, and I bring those straight into GarageBand and then I, I do the editing there. Um, so it's, it's really not, not that complicated to be honest. I I like the way GarageBand works for that. Um, I think, um, I do a little bit of post-production. I kind of try and set the levels, make sure that we're both balanced, things like that. Um, add a couple of, of, um, noise gates and stuff like that to try and cut any background noise out. Um, but it's been interesting, actually, as a process, because the first few episodes, um, they were a bit rough and ready, I think, in a lot of ways. If I go back and, and have a bit mm. of a listen now, I'm probably going to mm. kind of feel a little bit shocked because I, th- I think the quality's come on as we've gone on. Um, and then I think there was probably a middle period where I was spending quite a lot of time on sort of getting the editors as good as I possibly could, um, and now these days, I can kind of crank things out relatively quickly um, because I've got a process. I have my previous project, and I drag the new files into that one, and I sort of start with where things left off before, um, and that sort of makes it easier to turn around the edits each week as well.
0: Yeah, it does. It does get better uh, over time. Even my first few, I was spending like hours on on the edit trying to get it all perfect. Um, but then, yeah, you soon um, get all your keyboard shortcuts in, and you're so yeah, I remember your settings from last time and, uh, even, even just actually recording, you know, your, the way you're speaking and you make less mistakes and you become a bit more comfortable on the microphone as well over time. And, uh, yeah, my, my editing time for a, for a one hour podcast is down to, yeah, I spend about an hour and a half doing some post-processing on it now. Uh, yeah. Whereas before I was probably spending at least double that.
1: Um, I think it helps me with our edits actually that we sort of hold, um, because it's a, a conversation every week with the same person and, and me and Dave have got our, our format down for the show now, really. Um, it helps me because, you know, we have e- each week is kind of similar to edit in a lot of ways. You know, the process is is not too different, really. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of helped get my editing times down to, I reckon, probably somewhere around about half an hour now. Okay, no, um, that's really good. For a sort of 40 45 minute show
0: yeah that's brilliant I think this one's gonna take me a little bit longer just because of the three three-way conversation and just to make sure that you know there's no crosstalk and and you know the, the mics are all, all of our levels are sounding similar obviously yeah there's three different there's just that one extra person to consider now isn't there um, and because I've done I haven't done shows with a regular person I've had lots of different people on the show um, you know their setups have varied quite a lot as well. Some people have used headset mics, some have got condensers, some have got dynamic mics. Yeah, um, I had one person just using their the, the built-in mi- microphone on their laptop as well. So yeah, generally, you know, with a little bit of EQing, um, they sound okay. they you know, it doesn't need to sound like a a studio broadcast or anything like that. As long as it's clear and concise and people can understand what each person's
1: saying, yeah, I'm quite happy with that. Um, I did see some benefit um, a few weeks back in um, upgrading my mic, though. What are um, you using now? So I'm using a, um, it's an ATR 2100 USB mic. Um, so it's made by, is it Audio Technicana? Yeah. Um, and before, um, I had one of the um, blue snowball mics. And yeah, the difference between the two is is quite, a big difference i think really
2: um
1: right. but the uh the mic i have now um was actually an accidental purchase um i i managed to um i was browsing amazon last thing sort of before going to sleep um, <laughs> which i really shouldn't do and i don't really do that often um and um, i was putting things into um into my basket to sort of have a look um, in the morning, I kind of queued a few things up to to look at. And when I got up the next morning, I had an email telling me your new microphone is on its way You know, (laughs) and and had that sort of whole moment of, Oh, okay. Well, I hope I've bought the right one. Yeah. I hope I've spent (laughs) 3000 pounds on a microphone. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that's a bit of a tricky moment for a second. Um, yeah. But it came came off good. It's it's definitely the better mic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well it sounds pretty good on my side. I'm I'm using a um I've got the blue Yeti. So yeah, I was looking at the snowball for a while, but then I don't know, it just it just felt a bit too entry level. I thought let me just yeah. invest a little bit more and um go for the Yeti. I got it second hand, so I actually got it got it cheaper than I would have got the snowball for in the end. Right. And um yeah, I really like it. I've got uh so I've got a windshield on it on it. Even though I don't really need that, but uh, it was either that or a pop filter, and I put I ended up putting a windshield on it. Yeah. And um, I've built myself a little portable, like sound booth. Um, I'll will send you guys a picture of it afterwards. Um, it's on my Instagram page. So yeah, you should link, link
1: it in the show notes as well. Yeah, I'll
0: link it in the show notes as well. So basically, all it is is a, it's a box. It's like a storage box called a uh, droner from IKEA. And it's one of these folding ones that sl- you know, slides into their storage units. And um, it's one of those. And I've just put, I've glued some like foam tiles on four of the sides. And I'm just sitting the mic in there. And it fits, the mic fits perfectly inside it. Um, so it's just basically deadens the sound from all around. And it's made a massive difference. Like the first couple of shows I did, I used just the mic just on the table. And I was recording yeah. in, my, in my kitchen and I had loads of... I could hear the hum from the fridge and I could hear the the echoing Uh, in the kitchen and stuff like that. And then I built this box and since then it doesn't really matter which room I'm in in the house. It just sounds, it sounds like I'm in a vocal booth almost. That's awesome, I could do with one of those. Yeah, really easy to create, um, low cost. um, Yeah, really, really nice. So definitely recommend making one of these if you've got the parts lying around. So yeah, I'll I'll send you some pictures of it. All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, it's been great. You know, it's been really good talking to you guys. And, um, you know, we can wrap it up there. It's, but before we go, is do you have any questions that you'd like to ask me or anything that you'd like to plug or, you know, your social accounts, your websites?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Um, one quick question I had for you was, as like a front-end UI guy, mm-hmm. would you have any advice to give to a, a programmer Looking to learn more about design, maybe a particular resource you might recommend?
0: It, I suppose it depends on what your experience of front end is. Um, if you've, or if you already know uh, what you're trying to achieve, then you probably just want to learn some new tricks. Um, so I'd probably go onto sites like CSS Tricks, um, go into CodePen and see what cool things people are producing there, and then you can you can see their code and you can see how they're achieving things. Um, there's loads of front-end courses. Um, one of my previous guests, Wes Boss, he does loads of uh, courses, especially on JavaScript. Um, so that could be a place to start. If you're a complete novice and you haven't got any sort of design experience, the, the the thing the thing with design is it's quite subjective. It's hard to say what's good design and what's bad design. It's it's it's. Um, I think if it if it feels good to you, so if it looks good to you, then it is good design, isn't it? Um, so I would just just keep experimenting, just play about with some of the tools. There's some, you know, there's obviously paid design tools out there like Photoshop and Sketch, but then there's uh, there's free alternatives that you can get and um, there's things like Figma, which I think has got free trial. Uh, I don't know how limited it is, but it's a good way to sort of just play around with, with vectors and, uh, you know, page layout and getting colours and fonts and shapes onto a screen and just seeing what you can do with them. Um, And then with some of these tools like Figma and and Sketch, you can also export your design, some elements of your design into code as well. So you can create HTML and CSS from your design work as well. So it sort of lowers that barrier to entry. Um, Cool. Yeah, CodePen's a pretty good place to to experiment because it's got minimal setup. You don't need to uh, create any sort of local environments. You just... uh, fire up the site, you can write your HTML, your CSS, your JavaScript all in one place and you can see a pre- live preview of what's going on as well. And there's so much inspiration on there. So yeah, that's definitely a place I would start. Cool. Yeah. All right. So anything that you guys want to plug before you go? Um, yeah, let people know where they can find out more about you guys and, you know, your your, your podcast as well.
2: Uh, yeah. So for me, you can find me personally on Twitter um, at underscore Dave Knotts. My remote control for Cody, you can find at armchair remote.com. My second main app, uh, Space Readers, the app I spoke about earlier, about helping kids learn to read, you can find it at spacereaders.com. And then our uh, our podcast
1: is, you can find us on Twitter at WFR Podcast. Um, you can find me um, at Twitter on. Um, DW Roboheads. That's DW and then Robohead with a Z at the end of it. Um, you can find my video mixing app at govj.tech. And um, my abandoned blog is over at davewood.uk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice one. Um, yeah,
0: and once again, as always, all the different things mentioned in the show and all these links mentioned at the end will all be in the show notes, which can be found at. Inspect.fm on the homepage, and um, yeah, I'd just like to say thanks again for being on the show, and um, yeah, it'd be good to kind of catch up with you guys again in the future, and uh, all the best with your podcast, and and uh, all the best with the move to New Zealand and your apps that you've
2: got in the store. Thanks a lot, AJ. No, thanks, AJ. This has been this has been absolutely brilliant. Thanks ever so much. My pleasure. All right, have a good one, guys. Yeah.